Hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. Um, I'm Christine here with Nate. I'm here. And Sung. Hey. Um, so we've been in our series, uh, Things We Wish We'd Known. And what are we talking about this week, Sung? So we talked about being in our 20s, things we wish we had known. Now let's just broaden it just to like 20s, 30s, young professional, young adult. And maybe let's talk about the area of work. Yeah, before we get there, I just want to say one of the things I wish I'd known in my 20s and 30s was that like that's the time to get your eating habits in line. Mm. Because when your metabolism slows down inevitably... Mm. It's a lot harder to get it under control then. Mm. So, so what just, I'm hearing is take advantage of your 20s and 30s while you're man, <laughs> to eat whatever you want. Legitimately. Yeah. So, like for uh, like, okay, brief sidebar. My favorite food in the world is a large category of food called pie. Mm. And so, for my birthday, for years, I've had like a beer and pie party where it's just basically beer and pie. Yeah. And the amount of beer and pie I could consume in my 20s and even early 30s mm. versus the birthday that I just had in March, <laughs> it's it's like the difference is astounding. Mm. Pie day for my birthday was amazing, but literally I pretty much just rolled over and burped all night. Like I just, <laughs> it just was not was not happening. Oh, so wow. just, just saying, mm -hmm. just saying. Mm. Yeah. In fact, in your 20s and 30s is a good time to establish good habits. Mm. Yeah. Uh, whether it's uh, dental hygiene, oh, that's health, a good one. Huh? That's a good one. Yeah, um, and uh, fitness all, and spiritual habits too, right? Yep. Because because you think like, oh, you're living life on the edge, and you don't get into habits. And we've done a whole season on habits and rhythms. Um, man, like you will pay the cost. Mm. Maybe not next year, maybe not tomorrow, but it will come yep. back to bite you. And so establishing all those habits um, early on is is a really good thing. And I also, and I think that again, you also have more, I mean, not always, but a lot of times you have more energy in your mm -hmm. 20s and 30s. Like you have sort of excess energy you can point towards creating habits and, you know, new routines and things like that. And yeah. it, there just gets, there's there's less of that for a season. Like mm -hmm. if you're like a young family or something like that. And then it comes back again, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm experiencing now sort of in my late 40s that I do have more of that time as my kids are teenagers. Mm -hmm. But there was a solid like 15, 20 years there where I didn't, it yeah. was like, you're just basically trying to get your teeth brushed mm -hmm. in the morning. Like that's the only habit I had time to, that's not true, but I'm exaggerating, but yeah. it is, it is true sort yeah. of. Which is interesting. Cause I know, you know, a lot of my friends, like once they have kids, then they're like, Oh, we've got to establish all of these habits yeah. that we want to pass on. But it's yep. like, Oh Yeah. Those should probably be established before you get into the craziness Absolutely. of it's certainly easier. Parenthood. Yeah. It's yeah. never too late to yeah, establish yeah, yeah, a good yeah. habit, right? But it certainly is easier. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It is interesting hearing about like, you know, the you mentioned like food and metabolism habits, but I'm also thinking like I'm in seminary right now and there is like, you know, college, undergrad, it was, you know, you stay up, you do pull all-nighters and you're yeah. like stressed about <laughs> whether or not you'll finish, you know, sleep is not really, for me at least, I was like, I could not sleep for three days and be fine as long as I get my papers done. Um, whereas in seminary, I'm like, I know I'm going to finish this project. I'm more concerned about the fact that I'm only getting three hours of sleep. Uh, um <laughs> But it's, your priorities change. Yeah, exactly. My priorities, <laughs> I like feel them shifting. I'm not to the yeah. point where like I can't 
live on three hours of sleep. I can. It's just more stressful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And it also is true that like depending on your career that you're in, you can't, you can't cram mm-hmm. to right. pass a test or you can't, you yeah. know, some of those things just don't, some, some industries just don't work that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if yeah. I forget to plant something, I can't like in June be like, Oh, let me quick put these seeds in the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that a few episodes ago, the whole law of the farm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't, there's this, by this stage in your twenties and thirties, you should, you hopefully you've come across that and realized that there, there are no, sh- no shortcuts yep. mm-hmm. um, that, um, that hopefully you, you, there, there is value in hard work and smart work, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the whole saying of like, don't work hard, work smart. I'm like, no, that it's not a duality there. No. Mm. Like the best people, the best athletes, the best professionals, the best uh, people are, yeah, they, they definitely work smart. Yeah. But you know what? If you don't work hard, oh man. Right. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I, I hate when people say, don't work so, so harder, work smarter. It's more like pick the smart path and then work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> because, so, because like yesterday was a long day on the farm and my daughter Eva was working with me and she has become the voice of work smarter mm. uh, because I literally, mm. especially when I get tired, I'm just a work harder kind of guy. <laughs> so like we had to move some stuff and I was literally gearing up to like carry it and she's like dad go get the tractor <laughs> like it's gonna take you two minutes go bring the tractor over here we'll just load all this up and i was like oh man i'm so glad you're here you're totally right <laughs> and then and then as i was walking over to the tractor i heard her say to somebody else if i hadn't have been here he would have just picked this thing up and carried it all the way across the farm and i was like no it's true actually. <laughs> it's actually true and it's not that there isn't still hard work but man picking the smart path and then and then like maximum Mm -hmm. effort makes Mm -hmm. a big difference Hmm. you know so i will say the key to success when it comes to work in your 20s and 30s your young professional years young adult years is to compare yourself to everyone every single day it's true then (laughs) let that anxiety drive Drive you and propel you to work harder faster and with more motivation so that you can outshine everybody else anxiety is the shortcut to success that's right (laughs) amen let's let's just close in prayer that's it start the music and off we go (laughs) (laughs) i mean obviously a recipe for disaster but how often does that happen? Yeah. Like yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And usually people like in your twenties, you take a job because it makes you more money. Mm-hmm. That's usually the primary, if not only driver, which again, I understand you're in debt. You're you, you've been waiting for this day. Like, Oh, now you're, you're a responsible adult. You're making money. But boy, what I see on the other end, people sometimes in the thirties, sometimes in their forties, um, and Nate, you and I have talked to these people. I hate my job. Yeah. Mm. And they will do anything, anything, you know, and, and, and so many admissions to be like, yeah, I took, I took, I chose this industry. I chose this job because it paid well. And now it could be a decade later, their, their soul is dying. Yeah. And I will say if work is taken at least a third of your life, um, man, it is not worth. No. Um, that kind of misery. And, and you've told your story about working in uh, oh, yeah, finance absolutely. for 10 years. And, and, to, and to put it more bluntly, um, I, I regret almost every decision that I made that was sort of like, 
that money driven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I made a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and it's not even that I didn't make the money that I was after. Um, but the, the cost was just so much higher than I ever could have anticipated, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm, I'm sure I've told this story before, but I think it bears telling again, which is that when I finally stepped out of the, um, the brokerage industry and I was working for a church, uh, we had a friend over for dinner and Gabe was, uh, Gabe was 10 at the time. And, uh, and he said to this person that w- we were eating dinner with, he said, my dad is happy for the first time in his mm. life. And I was like, my son does not have a memory of me hmm. where I'm not miserable. Wow. Mm. Like that's literally, that's his entire life has been me being angry and frustrated and anxious and critical. And like, that's an unhappy, like that's literally his memory of me. And in this, it, it was literally, it was like a month or two. He has seen the difference already. Mm. Ugh, that is a, that wound is still, that wound is still open. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm. Well, thanks everybody for being <laughs> with us again, and we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things I wish you know, um, especially in the day and age of social media and, and friends. I think uh, when it comes to work, especially those days or weeks where you just feel like, oh man, like my life sucks. <laughs> um. Or more than that, you might say, my job sucks. Mm. Um, when you come to that realization or it, when when that hits you. Um, and, and this is this not a, a, an argument for um, um, staying at that miserable job. But I will say it is, the grass is always going to be greener on the other side. Mm. But when you get to the other side, you realize it's greener because of all the manure. Mm. <laughs> Some bringing the truth, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what. Or, <laughs> um, uh, or you get to the other side and, and you realize, oh, it's not that green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, And what you should do is water your own grass, right? Or realize, like, oh, I'm still me over on this side. Yes. Of the fence. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, yeah, that, that's one thing about work, right? Like there, there are aspects of your job that no matter how much you love your job, that there will always involve aspects that will drain you. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I think in, like to, to take the other side of it, though, as well, mm-hmm. um, I am also someone who out of uh, out of loyalty or like the desire for success or. Um, the desire to like prove myself mm-hmm. stayed in jobs much, much longer yeah. than I should have. Um, and sort of just like, uh, it was like the frog in a, in a boiling kettle, you mm-hmm. know, like where it mm-hmm. just sort of like the, the pain became normal. And I, and I, I mean, like if, again, when I think like, oh my gosh, I spent 10 years as a stockbroker, like mm-hmm. I, like I never, I never had a good day, (laughs) you know, but, but, um, so I think that there are like really, really valid reasons in that, in that time of life, Mm -hmm. sort of like we talked about, like with your twenties, I think there are very, very valid reasons to make changes and to Mm -hmm. try new things. But I think if it's, uh, because you think you're going to enjoy every day, that's not Mm -hmm. true. 
that's really not true. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my, my general philosophy that I've been like spouting to anybody who feels like listening <laughs> is that there's pain everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is no path that is free of pain, but there are types of pain that we can easily or, or more easily bear up under and types of pain that, that we cannot. Mm-hmm. And you just have to learn to distinguish which type of pain have I been uniquely gifted to mm-hmm. bear. And when you find that, you, like you find that at least for me, that is also the path mm-hmm. of greater joy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very, very nuanced. I don't want to pretend that it's not nuanced, but it's also, I, I, I think that there are very, very good reasons mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to abandon a certain path. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's tricky, you know, speaking as like a young professional and, and especially like right now where I think like the problem maybe 20 years ago or further back was like, there wasn't enough discussion around like, what does a toxic work culture look like? It was like, that's just like the expectation yeah. Yeah. is that's going to be toxic. Yep. Um, whereas now I think there's almost, there's like too much discussion mm. where it's, we're, we're always looking around us and saying like, who is toxic here? Yeah. Who is making me unhappy? Yeah. Why, like, what about this work situation is like, we're just really quick to label and to like look outside. And so I really not, I, I was going to say, uh, I like the story uh, that you that you shared at the beginning, not because it's a good story, but because it's like it's it's helpful to think like, OK, it's not about, you know, you leaving this specific work situation. It's who who was that work situation creating you to be? Mm-hmm. Um, who were you in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. And is that who you want to be? Because yeah. I think, yeah, again, I there are work situations that crush us. And I'm not saying like we we should just like stay in those toxic situations. But I think the first question when we're feeling that is like, who, who am I in this situation? Mm -hmm. Can I change? Or is it something where like, like what, what needs to shift? Yeah. So don't worry about being in the wrong job. Worry about your job bringing out the wrong you. Yeah. 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 I I really do think that. And, and as difficult as a, a lot of my early work experiences were, and for all like of the, sort of mistakes that I made and I need to own, um, there, there, God did redeem those. I did learn some super, super valuable lessons and mm-hmm. I did acquire some really, really valuable skills in the midst of that. I, I just, I think it's, again, there's, it's not a simple, it's not, um, a, a, a simple yes, no, you know, sort of decision, uh, but I do think for me in particular, there were places I could have learned those lessons mm-hmm. and it, w- that weren't so destructive for me, like in the long term. Yeah. Um, and, and again, and I think song, I think you're right. Like there, like, that's not to say that there isn't, there isn't a path that doesn't require hard work. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't exist. Um, and, uh, and I just think there's type of work that is more natural for us. And I think there's types that aren't and, your twenties and thirties is a great time to try to find that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the other thing too is, especially as a young adult, uh, you know, you're you're bright, smart, <laughs> talented in some role, and um, when it comes to evaluations or performance evaluations or constructive feedback, uh, when you're young, it's really hard to receive it uh, or hear it. Sometimes because it's just plain wrong. Right. Like it's just not good feedback. Yeah. Um, and you have bosses or managers that are just 
not for you. Yeah. But, uh, but at the same time, um, there's something in there that I think, especially when you're younger, you're just more resistant to hear. Cause you think like, Hey, I'm talented. I'm smart. Like, yeah. why are you giving me this feedback? Yeah. Right. But, but again, in the right kind of environment and the right kind of posture, uh, especially when you're young, man, be hungry to learn and change and grow, um, to not be set in your ways. Uh, as, as strange as that sounds, because being set in your ways is kind of like, yeah, I, I, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You don't need to say anything. So I think just taking on the posture of just learning, like you're, you're still an apprentice. Um, e- even if you feel like, oh yeah, like I'm really good at what I do. It's, it's true. At the same time, there's more things that you just don't know. And, and I will say that should, that continues at, with each decade, right? As you get to your thirties and forties and fifties, like, so now we're kind of, uh, going into older folks too, but like, yeah, like, man, if you've got 20, 30 years of experience, oh my goodness. Like, I hope you're still hungry to learn yeah. and grow and change. Oh, man. So th- th- this is not just a twenties and thirties thing. This is just a, you know, like every decade thing. But again, it's like a, a pattern that, that you can put in place mm-hmm. early on. Yeah. And if, yeah. if that becomes your framework for engaging with work and learning and self-discovery, like, man, the, the path is just so much easier, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Things I wish I knew. Uh, so here's some things I, like um, that I, I wish that I had Ah, oh, literally the thought just skated right out of my brain. <laughs> Dang it. Christine. Well, I, I'll, I'll touch on, I'll, I'll touch on the previous topic while you think, Nate. Okay. Uh, but I, I was going to say, you know, just in terms of, um, yeah, like being resistant to feedback. I do think that comes from like two places, right? Where it's, it's kind of like, uh, you see this also in fifth graders where it's like, <laughs> oh, I just read about this topic in my history book. So I know everything <laughs> about history. Um, and I think it is, it's like things are so fresh out mm. of college or out of like, oh, I just did the training on this. So I already know it. You don't have to tell me. Um, but I think on the other side, there is a lot of like, um, being wrong. There's there, there can be a lot of shame in that, which mm. then like pushes to defensiveness, right? Uh, where yeah, it's yeah. like. I think don't be, don't be arrogant, but also like to young professionals, like don't be uh, like ashamed or afraid of mistakes. Um, like, like failing forward is a mindset that is, that does not come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. I want to like fail and then hide. Mm-hmm. Um, Covered up. Yeah. Ex- yeah. 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 And say like, oh no, I didn't, I didn't make that mistake. I just, it just happened. It wasn't, wasn't me. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, owning it and like asking when, when your failures are pointed out or when your like growth points are pointed out saying like, okay, how can I grow from this? Um, is something that I'm still having to like preach to myself. Yeah. I'm actually glad you said that because it, it reminded me of the thing that was in my mind, Mm. which is uh, one of the things that I think I did right. so it's not so much things I wish I knew, but things that looking back, um, had sort of a much greater impact than I thought it would have mm. was that very early on, I committed myself to like sort of brutal honesty in the workplace. Not, I was not a jerk. I was never a jerk, but simply saying like both externally and internally lying is, is not on the table. Mm-hmm. So if I made a mistake, I always owned up to it. I wanted to be the first person to point out my own mistakes. You know, Mm -hmm. if I saw somebody else that being untruthful to simply say, well, actually, I think this, this is actually what happened. Like, let's, 
plan a course of action based on this, you know? And so I, I didn't realize how far reaching that pattern would be in the rest of my life. And it's like you were saying, Christine, it is much easier and we have a much greater tendency to hide and to cover up and to deflect or minimize and really long-term honesty just it, it just, it has legs like you can't even imagine. Yeah. Mm. You just can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. Mm. This wasn't true in my young adult years, but I think is true now. And this, again, is one of those things that transcends a certain, any particular decade. But the best thing you could do in regards to work is uh, when you're not working, to unplug. That's good. Cause that, that, that is, I mean, and that is work and discipline mm. because the, the tendency is I am exhausted from my day at work. I'm going to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to grab something on my way home. I'm just going to just plot myself in front of the TV or just sit there and check Instagram all evening. And, um, unplugging is a practice and a discipline, uh, that I think is related to work. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think just doesn't happen enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you say unplug, you're talking about like sort of like technology, yeah. media, mm-hmm. yeah. just stimulation. Yep. Um, you know, ju- just uh, again, to be comfortable with the, the stillness and just the darkness of yeah. even just mm-hmm. who you are. Well, and, and I think again, in some ways, like the nature of work has changed that much of mm-hmm. work it does require being plugged in. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. much of the work that, that um, we find ourselves doing is more and more along the lines of like, like digital mm-hmm. and like thought work and all those things. And so the ability to remove yourself from that environment, mm-hmm. I, I really, I firmly believe it accesses parts of the brain, the body, even the soul yeah. mm-hmm. that aren't being utilized in other places. Um, and it, it's funny now, like I actually find the opposite to be true that mm. I have to force myself to physically rest because mm. it, there's just always something like I can always poke at something. There's <laughs> yeah. always just something that could be like, Oh, I could just do this or just do this or just do this. And so Sundays I really do specifically force myself mm. to like not do, I mean, there's always the bare minimum of chores. Like, you know, the oxen falls in a pit, like Jesus said, you got to pull it out. Uh, but other I than, don't, <laughs> but, but other than that. I really do try to shift the nature of my like being a little bit mm-hmm. from being primarily physical to mm. sort of being otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, being, being sort of mentally engaged. But I think for most people or more it's and more opposite. people, the opposite is yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And so that means when you're home and, uh, you know, after a long tiring day, don't be checking social media when you're uh, tired Mm-hmm. depressed, mm-hmm. um, drinking or tired, depressed and drinking, yeah. <laughs> uh, because it just will not do you or your soul any good, which then affects the next morning when you're at work mm-hmm. or, yeah. uh, engaged digitally, uh, with whatever work you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that like on a, on a broader note, I think this is the, what we're talking about is the season of life where I think people can forget to be interested in things other than sort of like their work or like Mm -hmm. what's right in front of them. And it's really the time where finding hobbies and interests and ways to express yourself or, or stay mentally sharp. Um, like they, 
it takes an effort. You know, you really have to, to plan on that and, and expend effort to stay mm-hmm. engaged in that way. And if you don't sort of put it in as a habit, man, it's, it's just gets harder. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about. And yeah, I think that was, that was going to be my response, uh, to, to your thoughts song is that like, I, I hear that a lot from, um, young professionals who, yeah, are, um, yeah, just are on their screen so often outside of work. Cause it's like, well, I like, I'm not in a mental space where I know how to, or can be just silent with my mind because mm-hmm. it is, it, you know, if, if you're not practiced, if you don't have any interests or things, it's a recipe for a, an anxiety spiral or depression yeah. pit. Um, and so saying like, okay, um, I'm not just going to like sit here in silence in the dark. I'm going to go for a walk or mm-hmm. play Frisbee golf or, you know, like do something other yeah. than being on my screen. Yep. I think it makes a big difference, even if it's um, takes a little bit of work to figure out what that is. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, part of it's because I, I love to be busy with my hands, but I, I have found lots of sort of like winter time in front of the fire crafts that mm-hmm. I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, those like the amount of things available to you is like, and simple. I mean, like, like you can go on Amazon. Like I have a friend of mine that actually sells on Amazon and she sells like felting kits where you make like felted pictures mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, it sounds stupid, but like literally like, cross stitch or knitting mm-hmm. like those are all ways to sit quietly and have your mind occupied um and stay interested in like some sort of work or pattern or something mm-hmm. like that that doesn't require you to be on your phone yeah man and if you don't start it uh, it just gets harder yeah. it just gets harder and harder yeah. and harder yeah we yeah. have a basket i have two baskets at home <laughs> that i'm working on right now yeah wow yeah so it's like a basket like a you could, like a basket that you would carry something in. Man, okay. <laughs> yeah. all, it just reminds me of all the jokes of underwater back in, basket weaving. Yes, yeah. underwater basket <laughs> weaving. I'm like, man, you could literally do that. <laughs> Wait, what is it, what is that? I don't even know what that joke is. <laughs> like you know, I I don't know. Like you, you a cor- a cor- it's like a course you could take in oh, college. Oh, like a college yeah. course. Like, oh, yeah. it's like underwater basket <laughs> yeah. weaving. Right, right, right. And for yeah. me, that was like that, fairy tale. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like majoring in theater, I got that all the time. Oh, like, oh, you're majoring in theater? You didn't want to major in underwater basket weaving? I got you. I <laughs> got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. <laughs> I actually use baskets for a ton of stuff. I'm sure. Useful major. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just do it. Um, learn how to do it underwater. Yeah. yeah. How, do, how do you collect eggs every day if you don't have a basket? Mm. I'm just going to okay. put that out there. I'm just going to yeah. put that out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, just shifting back to, uh, unplugging, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, unplugging in, in our spare time is, is like really impactful and also unplugging from work. Yeah. Cause I think that's one thing that I have learned, um, maybe am still learning is like, it feels like we're being more productive when we work 24 hours a day, especially during COVID. It was like, okay. I didn't finish my work, so I'll work until 8 p.m. Um, and and recently I realized like, oh, there's a cycle here where you're not, you're actually doing just as much work in 12 hours as you would do in you're eight. You're just like stretching it out. You're just stretching it out because yeah. your, your brain isn't going to be as focused. And so then you're not going to get as much done. And so then the next day you're tired. And so then you're not going to get as much done. So you'll work longer and then you're tired. And it just seeing that like cycle mm. And realizing how 
deadlines actually help us yeah. saying like, Oh, it has to be done by five. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just realizing like, Oh, I think, I think a lot of us young professionals got into that habit of working 12 hours a day, but, but doing eight hours of work if we really pushed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a book. I, I think, uh, did we read it? To, did we yeah, read yeah. deep work yeah. together? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it honestly, it is an amazing, amazing resource for people that do primarily thought work. Yeah. Uh, it is so good. And that's one of the things that he talks about, which is like, look, the longer you take, the longer you give yourself to do this stuff, the longer it's going to take yeah. thought work needs clear boundaries. And again, mm-hmm. I think, especially for a lot of our listeners, more and more of the type of work that we do is that thought work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great resource. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. Cal Newport is a guy who wrote it called Deep Work. Um, Yeah. And, uh, And especially COVID and the after effects of it, so much of our work is remote or digital. And so the line between work and home has really become blurred Yep, because you're kind of always at home in, mm-hmm. in some ways, right? Uh, for those of you who are hybrid or working mm-hmm. uh, completely remote, like, and so, you know, uh, you know, you take a break and, you know, uh, go, go to a doctor's appointment, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon. And then, uh, well, so, and, and so just, but then, oh, you got to catch up on work. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. like when we we're growing up, Nate, like, oh, it's just like, hey, you come in the office, you leave then. Yep. And so you schedule doctor's appointments like, Earlier in the morning or, or on the weekends. Or, or you take the afternoon off. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. leave work to go to a doctor's appointment and then that's, that's it for the day. Yeah. Right. So th- that's also the trade-off too, yeah. right? Because again, like I, you know, I, I think I'm just used to kind of pre-COVID. So, I mean, not not totally, but like, uh, again, it, it, sometimes, especially like uh, somebody will be like, oh yeah, I got a doctor's appointment at, at two o'clock. I'm like, that's like the middle of the work day. <laughs> like, you know, I'm still kind of like in the old mindset, but like, um, not not that I don't. I, I do I do schedule doctor's appointments uh, during the work hours, but um, yeah, there, there's there, there's definitely a blurring because mm-hmm. of that flexibility, and, and I think that's part of the pros and cons of kind of remote work is there is a ton of flexibility. You can take a break and run an errand, mm-hmm. whereas kind of pre-COVID, like yeah, you you did the errand after work or what on the weekends, um, and so navigating boundaries. Um, as it relates to mm-hmm. work, yeah, and, and unplugging from work, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think uh, the boundaries point is a great is a great part of the sort of like how do you work conversation because mm-hmm. I think that people can be successful with boundaries in lots of different places. Mm-hmm. Like Sung, I know that you for your, you like work the work boundaries do drift into a lot of evenings and things like that because mm-hmm. that's like that's how you do it. And that really, really works for you. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's, so what I would say as a more general principle is you need to know what the boundaries are Mm -hmm. and keep them. And that can look really different for a lot of different people. I think the twenties, twenties and thirties, as you're starting your, your career, that's a great time to figure out what does work. Um, but man, nothing will burn you out faster than setting and breaking boundaries mm-hmm. <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. And nothing will destroy a relationship faster mm-hmm. than you setting and breaking boundaries yeah. over and over and over again. So just learning how to operate within those lines, like deciding what they're going to be and sticking to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, my boundaries were in the wrong place in my twenties mm-hmm. and thirties. Absolutely. And like I said, um, 
last week. I don't, it's not that I didn't learn things, mm-hmm. but um, it, or maybe did I just say it? I can't I remember. <laughs> which, uh, not that I didn't learn things, but but the lesson that I wish I had learned was how to find boundaries and hold them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, it's helpful even just to hear that said, because a lot of times I think like a lot of people in the young professionals community, we feel like, oh, it's, it's just that like, you know, we don't have like the right boundaries. It's that I'm working too much, but it's actually just that like, it's not that we're working too much. It's just that we haven't decided how much we need to be working absolutely, or how much we're going to be working. And so even, and, and so it feels like we're breaking boundaries because they don't exist. Yep. And so anything feels like an imposition yeah. um, when we don't know where the line is. That, yeah, that's really the hard thing about working from home or remote work or thought work. It's like um, if, you're, if, you're, if there isn't a requirement for you to be on, well, then guess what? You're never actually off mm-hmm. either. And it is far more helpful to draw some lines. And again, I think those boundaries can be really broad. I think that there are people who are passionate about their work and have the capacity. It's like, give yourself a 12 hour work day. I don't like, I don't have any problem with that. Mm -hmm. But like you said, Christine, having it defined um, and, and sort of known is actually, I think, I think that brings the, the mental resolution that you're really, that people are really looking for when they sort of consider themselves to always be on the clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things for me, as I think about like blocks of time or dot blocks of work, it's like, um, like when I work, when I do some work in the evening, it's a different kind of work than mm-hmm. when I, what yep. I do in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? And part of it is just understanding who you are. My, f- my creativity and energy is highest from like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mm. So that's, uh, again, a lot of thought work, creativity, uh, studying, that happens then. Right? Yeah. But the, and, then, and then it's like people in the afternoons, right? Because being an extrovert, that energizes me. I don't want to be thinking, you know, by the time two, three o'clock hits, I, I, man, I, I'm all thought out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll talk to people, uh, I'll interact. And then, and then evening is just a whole different set of work too. Yeah. So again, it, it's it's even like really uh, nuancing it in that way, yeah. saying mm-hmm. this time I I know this is when I bring my best here. Like if I were to think like trying to write a sermon at two o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, right. so unproductive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So a part of part of that, especially those of you who are knowledge workers, thought workers, uh, where you're kind of like. You're not your, and again, there's less and less typical nine to five type things. Um, you know, just even understanding like how, where, how your energy rhythm mm-hmm. uh, flows throughout the day as well mm-hmm. too. And so there's a certain, uh, another whole part of my brain or thought that like really uh, hasn't been used all day. Mm-hmm. So then I have the reserve to, to think in these ways yep. that, mm-hmm. that I didn't uh, during the yeah. day. Oh man, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. That clarification makes a huge difference because I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we've said it a hundred different mm-hmm. ways, but if you're open to doing anything at any time, yeah. mm-hmm. you're actually going to be far less effective. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, like I know, like, uh, when I implemented that years ago, like I blocked off, I block off my mornings from eight to 11. Mm. And when people are like, Hey, can I meet with you? Yeah. Can we meet for coffee? I mean, I do make exceptions or, or there are weeks when I'm not like, um, not having to preach and things, but usually in the mornings, nope. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I tell people, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm already booked. I already have a meeting there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a meeting with. With yourself. Yeah. Uh, but legit. That's mm-hmm. legit. Yeah, yeah. Totally legit. 
So, yeah. One question that's coming to mind for me, um, because, you know, we, in, in like the, the marriage kind of section of this season, we talked about communication. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm curious, like, as, as you're setting these different boundaries, it does feel like to an extent you also probably like, uh, well, you each needed to communicate it with, like with Amy, right? Like where did you, what was the process of drawing healthy boundaries with work? Um, whatever those were in the context of a relationship. Mm. Yeah. I don't, unfortunately I did not do this in my thirties. Mm. It took me to my forties. Mm. Um, because, uh, I, I was, I was just really willing to let work sort of be the dictator mm -hmm. of my schedule. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it wasn't a conversation that we had. And again, our marriage really suffered because of it. That's mm. the, that's the truth. Um, and so, you know, um, what it looked like when I finally did it was simply taking into account, you know, not only my energy rhythms, but the energy rhythms of my family and my mm -hmm. wife, um, and sort of saying like, when do I need to be available for this type of interaction, you know, like mm -hmm. when do I need to be available to sort of like help the kids? If it's like help with homework, I mean, whatever, mm -hmm. like when, and, and sort of let that be an influencer in, in the way that I draw those boundaries, not just by myself, but if you're not married, if you don't have kids, if you're, you're like, that's all different. It mm -hmm. really is. That's why yeah. I'm sort of saying like, it's, there isn't a set rule except yeah. that you should set rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like that's a whole episode in itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, and there have been uh, uh, highs and lows in, in that whole conversation, but specifically uh, vocational ministry. Uh, and this is, this is also true pre COVID um, where most people went to the office or, or uh, at certain hours, there's incredible flexibility. And yet at the same time, and this is an ongoing joke too, right? Like, Oh, pastors work half an hour every week, right? Mm -hmm. On Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you only knew. Mm -hmm. um, so on one hand, uh, as pastors, you you're, you feel like you're always on call, right? You're never kind of not working. So that's one tension. On the other hand, if your spouse or your significant other, it works kind of a, uh, like a, you know, very uh, defined hours, mm -hmm. right? And, and you're working at different periods of time and, and even just socially kind of the, the expectations of what you want out of life, out of each other. That, that's a whole conversation in itself. I, I think, you know, fortunately for me, um, Amy is, um, very patient, um, <laughs> very, um, um, uh, yeah. Um, and so we, I, we've stumbled and learned and, and, and kind of ran in certain seasons. Uh, I, I would say, uh, and, and this still happens constantly communicating calendar schedule. Mm. One of the things that, uh, uh, and I've, I've talked about this in, in other seasons, um, this would be true of, I think, anybody, not just work, but I think just in life. I think just uh, if you want to be brutally honest about how you spend your time, do a time audit yeah. of your week. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I don't even tell people I'm busy anymore because just everybody is. Mm -hmm. I'll say, oh, my day was really full. I almost refuse to say I'm busy anymore just because mm -hmm. I just, I, because when people actually take an, a time audit of their week, mm -hmm. 
Like, uh, I think they'll be surprised at how much they surf the net yeah. or other things, right? And, and I tell people, too, like, because, you know, I also work the denomination. So people are always like, how do you do all this? I'm like, yeah, I'll t- I, I don't watch TV. I don't know how much TV you watch on a given week. The other thing, too, is I, 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 I don't think in 24-hour blocks of time. Mm. I think of 168 hours during the week. So even in the beginning of the week, it's like, okay, what, what's going on here? I can look at the whole week and go, okay, this, these are the responsibilities I have at church. These are the responsibilities I have at the denomination. These are commitments I have with a family. Um, You know, I, 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 even from when our kids were young, and this is not true of most pastors, like, I I mean, I limited our uh, evening meetings, you know, Mm -hmm. most pastors, I mean, they're gone a lot in the evenings. Um, uh, on a busy week, I might be gone two nights a week. Th- mm. These days, I'm hardly ever gone in the evenings. Mm. Um, so one commitment was having dinner with the family every single night. Now, you know, um, there there are exceptions when I traveled or this or that. So so there, there are touch points of co- or commonalities, yeah. right? Like my life is chaotic and crazy. Um, and it still is. And um, the other part is just what season of life you're in. Mm-hmm. When our kids were younger... Um, I, I intentionally did not travel a lot. I, um, I was home every night. Um, now that my kids are a little bit older, uh, we have designated times of family or, or things like that, but, um, there, there's a little bit more flexibility there too. So uh, again, there's so many different factors, stage of life, um, family expectations. But I, I think the other part too, is just coming to a common understanding, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you're a pastor, if you're in ministry, uh, one week does does not look like uh, another week. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's like farming too. I mean, I was gonna say, like, literally, I I just had a planning session with Amy this morning. Think, look, looking towards like all all of sort of like the spring season, and we tried to sort of like map stuff out. What we ended up finding was that really the easiest thing to do was sort of block it week by week mm-hmm. and simply say these are going to be the the sort of the big things that were the big umbrellas we're operating under this week. Um, and then, and then the next week it's going to look different. And mm-hmm. we actually also found that we couldn't really plan more than three weeks in advance. And we're kind of like, well, we're going to have to reevaluate when we get there because yeah. there's so many variables from, I mean, for us, it's the weather, it's, um, how busy our business is. It's what our kids, you know, all those mm-hmm. things are in the mix. Um, but I don't, we don't really think in terms of 24 hour blocks either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. because there will be a day if the, if the sun is shining and it's warm outside, like that's like, it's we're 15 gonna, hours outside. It right? is, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. like this morning it was raining and we, I did a couple, I sort of did the round of the morning chores and then we settled in and just planned for several hours. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it's uh it's uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting that you said that cause I find the exact same thing to be true. And that's mm-hmm. a very different life from let's say, and I'm just going to make some generic statements here. Like, you know, let's say a young married couple, she's a teacher, he's an engineer. You got your defined mm-hmm. work hours. You come home, you, you live for the weekend, you do your thing, or, you know, you have kids and you kind of drive them to sports or whatever. And again, not that life isn't chaotic, but it, it certainly is a lot more predictable than, let's say, living on a farm, working a farm in your own business, or being a pastor, or being a doctor, or being uh, mm-hmm. any number of vocations. Uh, I think it's just tr- trying to come to the, an understanding of, of uh, yeah, there's certain types of work that's just kind of like you put your time in, you kind of 
go and you have your life. And then there are other types of work like the farm where it is your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very different vocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, conf- it's confusing. I wish, I wish that we had like a more clear sort of like, <laughs> Hey, here's know, how it right? works. Yeah. No, I feel like it's, yeah, it's good to talk through and, um, and, and see, like, there are a lot of ways to navigate. Because I think I think in your 20s and 30s, you're, like, especially maybe 20s, you're looking for, like, the right way to do it, oh, right? Yeah. You're looking for <laughs> the right way to schedule, to draw boundaries, to communicate. And so um, hearing that, like, yeah, it's going to it's gonna shift. It's going to change. There are different, yeah, like, it, it looks different for everyone is, is even in and of itself helpful mm-hmm. to hear. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like now I'm like, oh man, that time audit idea is really a good one because I think, yeah, I, you know, there's that quote from uh, emotionally healthy spirituality day by day where it's like, uh, you know, busyness is, is one of multiple things, but one of the things it can't, it most often is, is, is actually just laziness mm-hmm. of like not, not taking the time to look at our schedules um, and see, yeah, how much of our time is. Is, is spent where and, and what really matters. Yeah. One of the resources that came to mind in, in the midst of all of this conversation um, is a book that uh, is called Let Your Life Speak by an author mm. named Parker, Parker Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And honestly, when I was sort of navigating career realities at multiple points, um, I found it helpful. His He just has a different way of, look, of, of having you look at your own life mm. to see if the things you're bumping up against are not barriers to be battered down, mm. but instead maybe a, a signpost towards a different way of being or, or even God like directing you towards a new path. I found that to be so helpful mm. because again, you know, um, for me in my twenties and thirties, I, I just, I determined that I, that anything that I was afraid of, I was going to do mm-hmm. and anything that stood in my way, I was going to break through. And, um, that is, a strategy that only works when you have sort of the boundless energy of a young person mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, it didn't work for me long-term. And so while, you know, my therapist would have called it a coping mechanism that was useful for a season. And now that it's not, now that it's outlived its usefulness, what are you going to do instead? Mm-hmm. Um, and this book really sort of helped me make that shift. Yeah. I think the other thing kind of building off your idea is when you're uh, younger, you see a job as a means uh, of of wealth accumulation mm. versus your job as a means of God working in and through you. Mm. Mm. And I think especially for, e- even for Christians, when you're at that age, um, your, your primary, and this is a broad generalization, you, you, you want to make money. Yeah. Uh, and, and what you miss is, and, and I hear this from people like, oh, must be nice, you know, doing kind of like God's work. And I want to be like, mm-hmm. you spoiler do alert too. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not nice. No, I'm just kidding. What's that? <laughs> I said, spoiler alert. It's not nice. No. <laughs> and, and, and so just to understand too, like actually your workplace is a huge yeah. area mm-hmm. where God is forming you. And so when you come across a bad boss or you hit some of those barriers, that's actually God speaking to you, yep. calling you and inviting yep. you into a new way of being. And so instead of seeing it as like, oh, I got a terrible boss. What is it, what is it that God is trying to like, yeah. the, you learn more from a terrible job. I mean, it sounds terrible, but it, it, I mean, you, 
uh, I mean, you learn a lot at a great job too, mm -hmm. but there are lessons to be learned at a bad job. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, I, I've had this conversation where someone has said like, I can't stand my coworkers. I eat lunch in my car and I leave as soon as I clock mm. out. And, and I, I, I think of that as one of two things, both of which are missed opportunities. Either it's time for you to move on mm -hmm. from that job and find a place where you feel like you can engage more wholeheartedly yeah. for the kingdom or you like got some stuff you need to figure out because mm -hmm. apparently you don't know how to love people. You know, <laughs> one of those two things is probably true. And I, I want to be careful because I think there are times when you're stuck in a job that just is a hard situation. And it's just hard. And mm -hmm. like, there's, it's just, it just is. But a lot of times I think we're missing, like you were saying, son, we're missing that God is trying to do something mm -hmm. in the midst of those circumstances. And we need to put ourselves in a different mindset when it comes to work. Yeah. So I would say your, your work matters to God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially those uh, people who are our listeners who are working, quote unquote, you know, secular, which again is a term that isn't really the right way to say it. But um, even in a quote unquote secular job, your, your work matters to God and you are doing God's work. I don't care if you're designing cars or building widgets, like you are doing God's work. And, and I think infusing that with that lens, um, e even if, if it's work that just right now seems like hard or you're not enjoying, uh, God is in the midst of that. And mm -hmm. so I, I think really bringing that perspective versus like, oh, it's just something I do so I could live. Yeah. 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 Man, well, we have covered a lot of ground in this past almost hour. If you are still with us, way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we hope we'll see you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>